This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Stacy Westfall from Perrysville, Ohio. And you're listening to the Westfall Horsemanship episode of The Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May the 5th. This episode is brought to you by the Stacy Westfall Podcast. Good morning, Horse World. <laughs> Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. As you all know, Stacy is here the first Tuesday of the month. And believe it or not, it is the first Tuesday of another month. Uh, it's May <laughs> Thank you already. for the update. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the shortest and longest year ever all at the same time. I agree. It's so weird. It time so has, weird. has changed, has shifted this year. It's just weird. It's just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's just shifted. Speaking of shifting times, uh, Stacy, I wanted to talk to you first before we get into questions. And of course, everybody, Stacy uh, is here. She answers listener questions about training and horses and that kind of thing. You have a couple of, or one guest we're sure of today, right? Oh, are you still there? We have a blip. Yeah, that I'm was here. Weird. <laughs> so we have uh, <laughs> one guest you're sure of today, right? Yes. Tell us about him. Oh, it's a good friend of mine, Travis French from um, the state of Maine, where I'm from, and he is a farrier. We grew up together, and I kind of went off my direction with horses, and he went off his, and I love talking to him about farrier questions because he's done a great job of not only getting his original education in, you know, from Cornell, he also went ahead and he does a ton of continuing education. And anyone who's really committed like that, I find super fascinating to talk to. So that's what I want to talk about today is, is questions for farriers. And your, uh, your guests are always terrific. So Yay. that'll be fun. And Jenny, who is usually with us, has uh, some things going on. So we're not sure if she's going to be here or not. Uh, but she has some things going on personally that she's very excited about. So yep. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, find out about that. Last night, uh, this applies to all of our worlds, English or Western. Uh, they had the USEF. I'm calling it the town hall. They had a, a great big call. And they were talking about how... Shows are going to open up. Uh, of course, that if they're USEF shows, it applies to English and Western world. Um, and you want a brief overview here, quick? Yeah, yeah. So basically, they had said shows are done till the end of May, till May 31st. So this is as of June 1st is when they're talking about. They said there won't be a unified national approach to opening the country. Uh, it'll depend on what state, in some cases, local government imposes. And of course... You know, that's a given, right? It's it's all comes down to what the states. So they're saying that we are going to allow shows to happen after that. They're going to put out a guideline booklet, which, if I know the USEF, will be about, what, 55 pages long <laughs> uh, by the end of the week. 
Uh, and they said it will be a fluid living document and will be adjusted as needed. I hope they don't print them because they'll be just reprinting them. <laughs> uh, key elements of the plan include risk assessment, temperature monitoring of all volunteers, officials, and staff. So that you're going to be you're going to be forehead monitored when you come into the showgrounds. Uh, social distancing will be in place. They'll ban spectators from competitions. They're going to lim- limit the number of entrances and exits. Uh, they're going to require all entries to be completed online and paid online. So basically, all your paperwork will be done before you get there. You won't even have to go to the secretary's office, or or they'll have the packets lined up and you just pick them up. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, they were heading towards anyway. They, this just has speeded it up by a year yeah. or two. I, and that should have been done five years ago, to be honest. Um, and in any other d- sport, it would have been. <laughs> uh, <laughs> t- tell me if I'm wrong on any of this, okay? I'm being a little sarcastic <laughs> this morning, but it's true. Uh, so the other thing is they're going to limit the number of people. There'll be no spectators, but they're also limiting the number of people that can come with you. So it'll be one groom and one family member and you. Mm. So three people, Period. So I don't care if, you know, I, I didn't really understand if it said, uh, if you have two horses, can you have two grooms? I don't know. Um, I didn't get that. They were asked about masks, and they said they are encouraged. It'll be, it's going to be up to the individual show, uh, but they're encouraging the shows. And, of course, if it's a state mandate, then you have to wear masks. Right. Um, it, they did ask about this, and this is what I've been always interested in, and I never got an answer to this when all the people I've interviewed. Um, and they said, uh, what will happen if people don't follow the rules? <laughs> Who's going to enforce what, it? You know? <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly what I was just well, thinking. I was just thinking, this all sounds like rule, but who's counting? Are we all going to get like matching stickers so that my three people... It's like, up to the... Like, sh- this is where it gets interesting. It's up to the show organizers. Well, we all know. I've how got that the can, answer. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've got the answer. You yeah. know the you know the number thing. You know how you get like the number that you put on your horse's yes. halter. <laughs> yes, that's what's going to happen. You need stamps. I'm going to have like one, a number. Two, it's going to be like I'm I'm going to be like I'm going to be entry one seventeen, and my groom will be wearing one seventeen as a as a bridal badge. These are going to be new hats. <laughs> we can design a baseball cap that holds a entry number so that my people are numbered the same as my horses. Well, get this. Now, the Winter Equestrian Festival is planning on opening up uh, down down in Florida. By the way, they do run summer shows. I don't know how anybody lives through that because it's like a mm. thousand degrees and a thousand percent humidity, and it's already hot here in Florida. But uh, they're planning to move all entries online, put plexiglass in front of show secretaries, ask everyone to wear masks, add extra cleaning staff, including bathroom attendants. It'll be the first time that bathrooms are cleaned at horse shows. Um, <laughs> look at disinfecting sprays used in hospital to spray down warm-up jumps. I never thought about moving jump cups. Mm, and require either. social distancing, including within tribes from the same barn. I like how they use the word tribes. Um, and letting other people who can come with each rider, a groom, a trainer, and a family member. So that's what WEF is planning on. I did see that some of the Western shows are planning on opening up, too. Uh, and they're also talking about how they're going to apply all of this. Now, what have you heard as far as points and things are concerned? You know, a lot of national shows, whether it's a discipline or a breed show, require you to earn so many points. And Mm -hmm. I've seen some breeds are just not doing their national shows at all. What are you seeing? I'm seeing that it's probably going to go one of two ways, either that direction. But I've actually seen more where they're planning on 
taking away the qualifications, which basically means that it's going to open it up to... Which means if I suck, I could show up at a national show for the first time in my life and have a one-off. Yes, it does. But <laughs> however, <laughs> this is exactly what like one of one of my customers said. But what's the point? Like, we're just going to end up like, what if I end up with like, okay, I can go down and instead of there being a qualification, and I know I'm going to get down there and let's say there's going to be 50 people in my class because we all qualified. I was like, well, she's like, well, now I'm going to go down there. There might be 150 people in my class. And I was like, right, it's going to be like Congress. We already do this every year. It's called the Quarter Horse Congress. You pay, you enter, there's no qualifications. And some years you do have 150, 200 horses in a class. And some years you have 50 in the same class. So it kind of fluctuates normally, but you could make the argument that, you know, as long as everybody can keep themselves safe, like some of these organizations could benefit from a 400 entry class, you know, at the end of the year when they haven't held half their shows for the beginning of the year. And I definitely know this, people want to engage in a horse show fashion, because you can see that getting more and more antsy online. Like, how can I do something with my horse? So you think that entries will be the same, if not up a bit? Mm, oh, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I'm like, not sure. I, I think, you know, I'm I've not seen sure both. about that. Yeah, I've seen both. Uh, and, and from what I've seen from my Facebook feed, having unfollowed a lot of people after the last two weeks, um, is it just seems to be half and half. You know, like yeah. everything else in the world. <laughs> like, well, is it going to be like, so I'm saying that like in in that, cus that customer was like, but yeah, I mean, gr it's great that I could go, but if I don't have to qualify, what else does that mean? And I'm like, well, the way that, because she was like, it could just be flooded with people. And that was when I said, well, if it is flooded with people, it's literally no different than Congress. Like Congress has its own limiting factors every year and they're not qualifying. It means it's held in Ohio. So if you live in Florida or California or Maine or somewhere, then you've already got limiting factors. So it's not like this one factor is the only limiting factor that ever decided. So yeah. COVID didn't decide everything. It has changed a lot, but it, there always were certain factors in place. Even if you take away the qualifications and open it up, what you also bring in is exactly this second part of the conversation, which is Who's, is anybody going to want to travel that far? Is anybody going to want to, you know, um, jump through all the hoops? Because there, every year I know this, that 10 people from our region will qualify to go to Oklahoma for the reigning uh, regional finals. And maybe a handful go, maybe three, maybe four, mm -hmm. 10 qualify. That doesn't mean all 10 go. So I think that the question you're asking is actually a way bigger question. And that is like, how am I going to personally respond to getting on an airplane again? Or, <laughs> you know, or, or anything. Or, you know, and, and then, you know, people have lost income over the last two months, maybe lost their yeah. job, you know, are they going to be yep. able to afford to go? That's the other thing. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I think that was always one of the limiting factors. When you watch somebody qualify, they qualify locally. And then, so for us, for like the example I'm using, somebody would show at like these four weekend shows that we have here. And if they finished in the top, uh, they change it every once in a while. They needed to be in the top. Let's just say it was the top three. Then those top three from our show go to the regional here. And then the top 10 from that region can then go to Oklahoma. So it's like a multi-step thing. A lot of people get to the they fin if they finish the first step of going to the four regionals, which are those are the ones that aren't happening, by the way, then they would qualify to go to the, to the, those would be local. Then they'd qualify to go regional at the regional. 
that's probably held in our region. So it's not that big of a stretch financially or whatever we measurement time, money. Um, so they would go there. And then that is that tends to be the dividing point because the next step of going to Oklahoma is a way bigger step, even though you've done all those little qualifying steps. They're not little, but they're local qualifying steps. The big step of going down to Oklahoma is, okay, are you a single person hauling a single horse all the way across, or are you going with a barn full of people? But if you had to qualify, do you see how it starts mm-hmm. to get it starts to get way more? And then it's like, do you fly your coach in if you went all the way down, or do you go to the first show of your whole year with no coach? Because there is a money time there is this whole web and exactly what you just said that web's going to look even different when you put the covid epidemic on top of it well it's going to be interesting to see what happens and how it all washes out um i don't Mm -hmm. know we'll see how it all washes out you know we've been talking about it for two months now and and now things are going to start to open up and then it's going to be really interesting you know it's funny because the other consideration is if we do have the second wave then what happens right um and you know i talked to a doctor friend of mine who i've been talking to all along here and he doesn't think it's this is speculation but he also doesn't think that no matter how many people are dying a day, that things are going to close down again. He just doesn't see that going yeah. that direction again. So I don't know. We'll have to see. And and who's comfortable going out? You know, we're, I was talking about this on the driving show, which will come out Thursday. And with drivers, they tend to be older, right? They're an mm-hmm. older group. And, you know, so they're going to be less likely to come out. Yeah. Um, just out of necessity or, or people like me who have health conditions who, you know, I can't right now. And, and I was talking to Reese, you know, Reese Cobbler mm-hmm. Stanfield, she has asthma as bad as I do and she can't go mm-hmm. out right now. So, you know, yeah. those people can't go to shows either. Right. Yeah. 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 Now I'll tell you what has picked up, which is really interesting and kind of fun. And when you just said Reese, it made me think of me wanting to do this. And that is, online lessons. Yeah. I was doing it some last year, but I have seen an increase in people that want to do that. And so that's been fun because I think that that's a barrier that I think some of these things that change, I still think there will be positive things that come out of this. For example, um, you know, I was talking, some friends actually went to a horse show this weekend. So now I'm going to have to go back and ask them all kinds of questions about how that went because it was actually like a team sorting. So a lot of our Western events don't have online entries and don't have the entering ahead of time. So now I'm going to have to go back and pick the brain about like, how did that, how did that happen? How did you guys enter? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to, I can't speak to that right now, but I'll have to find out. But they stopped by for a lesson on the way home and I was talking to her son and it was really interesting because he's like, uh, I think he's 12 And their school was already so online that basically the kids go to school, but they're already working on a device, on an app, doing their math, doing their English. They're in the classroom, but all their assigned work and everything is through the app. So it was funny because I was trying to get my mind wrapped around it. And I was like, well, do you turn it in any different? Nope. Do you receive it any different? No. Do you like, basically he's mostly missing the socialization part of like being able to see other humans outside of his family is what I think it boiled down to. But I think there will be some good things that come out of it, like being more prepared for, you know, kids that miss time for anything like health wise, if a kid can't come to school, but they could still keep up with their schoolwork because 
of the nature of what's going on. I agree. And I think, you know, we've been sending kids to school sick all along, which is why half, most of the class gets sick. <laughs> right. You know, and, and then the Good parents point. get sick and everybody else gets sick. <laughs> right. uh, and, and it's because we've been sending them to school sick. Uh, you know, yeah. So, uh, and yeah. it's true of work too. You know, employers right. have like, if you're not dead, you come to work. Well, I think that's going to change a little now. Well, I, one of my good friends works, her husband works for a very major insurance company and they've been doing the work at home and they kind of just got an announcement that there's not going to be a different option. Like they're going to keep it work at home now. I wonder how many and, businesses are going to do that. That's a good point because right. if they realize that, you know, I think a lot of businesses were thinking of going that way and were too scared. Yes. This forced exactly. them to do it. Exactly. And I totally. think what they're going to find, you and I work at home and what yep. they're going to find is people work longer hours than they did mm -hmm. because we end up working all the time because it's right here. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that's true He's for you, but. As long as you have some kind of an accountability system, I think it's going to work fine. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, you're accountable. You still have to get your work done. <laughs> so, right. It's, yep. I, You know, it's going to be interesting to see how that... And you know what? That's good for the planet. It's good for everything if people more people are working at home, right? And it's actually good mm -hmm. for the family. As yeah. long as you, you know, as long as you can figure out how to do that. There is a learning curve, but I think most people are going through that now. That's interesting. It, it, yeah. Yeah, well, this is the forced learning curve. So if, if people start doing more online video lessons and get comfortable with it, it's good for everybody because if I go out and videotape myself and send it to Reese and get coached by Reese, it just opens up the whole world. Then every time she goes to Florida or every time I don't want to drive to Kentucky, you know, it doesn't interrupt things as much. Well, so I it, think it's it going to saves be you money. Good. It saves you time. It saves you gas. It saves you everything, right? It saves exactly. her the same, right? It saves right. her the same thing. She can yeah. do it when she has time as opposed to at a scheduled time. I, yep. I agree. I think it, I hope it does. I hope some of this sticks, what we've learned. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my point. Well, what about a birthday party? I see you have written here. Somebody had a birthday party. Yes, I'm going to have to ask you to go to Facebook while I okay. while I um Where explain I it. Go over to my Stacy Westfall um okay. fan page and right. and you need to look at like the latest video that I posted. And it's really funny because and then there's a second follow-up one, but you're going to find how to bake a birthday cake for a horse. Press those uh birthday so Presto it'll be right below that. Hmm. Presto had a birthday fundraiser for Last Chance Corral. <laughs> oh, how to make and, a cake. <laughs> yeah. All right, should I watch so, it? Yep, you go ahead and watch that. Right. So Does it have on sound? my Facebook page, it, oh, it has music, so, I'll you know. <laughs> That'd be the music. <laughs> okay, there's but Presto. But basically... Oh, you put oats, and then more oats. Lots of oats. Horses have a lots of oats in their cakes. <laughs> lots of oats in the cake. <laughs> lots of oats in the cake. There's like 12 pounds of oats. Oh, flaxseed. About a pound of flaxseed. God, this is expensive cake. <laughs> Applesauce. Actually, I think I added it up. It actually didn't come out. I'm going to have to do that. I'll have to add that to the mat. I'll have to add oh, the mat. Oh, molasses. Lots of molasses. Three quarters of a cup of molasses. I'm liking this cake. Is this for humans or horses? The cake smelled so ridiculously good <laughs> that my husband kept threatening to eat the cake. Because really, I mean, it has oatmeal, molasses, applesauce, <laughs> shredded carrots. No, wait, wait a minute. We're shredding carrots. Oh, you fast forwarded I, that. That was fast shredding you did there. That's fast shredding. Shredded oh, carrots. This is cinnamon. like a carrot cake. So it, that's what the cinnamon went in after the carrots went in because I'm like, this is going to smell like I'm making a oh, carrot you cake. You put it actually in a baking pan. I really it does did. It looks like it. a horse treat. 
it really was an extra large horse treat. <laughs> Scooter would love this. <laughs> God, he'd be on sugar high for a week. But then I decorated it even better because the top of it, I needed to come up with candles. So I bought the so carrots to have the tops. For, for I did bake it. Yeah. Because it looks now, like a large carrot cake for horses. It, it really does. And um, I put the you powdered, put powdered sugar. sugar. <laughs> I put the powdered sugar on it because I wanted some kind of a frosting. Fa- I wanted to know if he'd stick his nose in it, basically. Oh, and you put carrot candles. Carrot candles. And then I made carrot top flames because I took the greens and made them kind of like look like flames coming you out did. of the it does kind of look. It <laughs> has greens. It has like multiple carrots sticking up. Uh, yeah. And then, oh, wait a minute. Did, did, are we going to see the horse eat it? So today I have to edit the video where Presto held a birthday party. I will go back and I will put Presto eating the cake on the end of that one. But at the time that I published that, his party hadn't happened yet. So he didn't had had his cake yet. Oh, so okay. I published the video. <laughs> it good, though. <laughs> I, pu- I published the video. My favorite comment, I'm going to have to scroll down through, but my favorite comment, I think, was the one underneath the post that says, you may have been quarantined for too long, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, but you had the really... uh, recipe right there. So if you go to Stacy Westfall uh, and you go to her page, you're going to see it on there and you have the recipe right there. It actually looks, yeah. I, I want to make this now. It was really easy and it was really fun. And 1200 pounds of oats. And so, some it was really only like, it was five cups. It, five cups. it looks like a lot of five oats, cups so. of oats, <laughs> one cup of applesauce. Three, and you know how I picked how much molasses went in. Did you see I ran out? Oh, like you? I just started, <laughs> I was dumping it and I was like, well, apparently two thirds of a cup is going to be the right answer here because <laughs> I don't have any more in this jar. <laughs> it worked. It's stuck. It, and it's basically a yeah. binder, right? So it's basically a binder. Yeah. And, um, and it was really funny because I have the video. So presto, two things happened yesterday on his actual birthday, um, as close as we can do, because he was two to three days old when he came into last chance corral. So I just picked May the 4th. So, cause I thought he could have a star Wars theme. So he's got the may the fourth be with you thing going on. <laughs> so he's, um, but his birthday was yesterday. I made the cake, but he held a party that I videotaped. But do you have any idea how messy four horses at a fully set dinner table is? <laughs> it is two, two facts you need to know before you see this video. Cause I haven't edited it yet. Number one, if you set an entire table with that cake in the middle of it and carrots and peppermints and, um, apples and all of this stuff strewn around. First of all, the horses actually have decision fatigue. They can't actually figure out which one to attack first. <laughs> right after they get past that, I went ahead and pulled four horses belly up to the bar and they were all just like have at it attack. It was so funny, but it takes six minutes for them to destroy the entire thing. <laughs> six minutes to tear down what took me like an hour to set up, not even counting like baking the cake for an hour of like, <laughs> you know, like mixing it and then cooling it and then frosting powdered sugar. I wouldn't sugar advise it. this one for the insulin resistant horses. Though. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it, my husband, as he was unwrapping like his third box of like peppermints was like, I'm really a little worried about the horses. I was like, Okay, first of all, you and I are going to be within reaching distance at all times. Second of all, pretty sure most of these are going on the ground. I think they're going to be, you know when they eat out of the feeder and there's like that joyous throwing of the food? Yeah. It looked a lot like when you do the the birthday cake for a one-year-old 
and they just kind of like they smash their face into it but at the end of it like they probably didn't eat as much cake as any one adult or any one person they just kind of mushed it that's yeah. what happened <laughs> that's right they like we i guarantee we raked up buckets full of what we put down <laughs> so and yeah we took that out and threw that away but it was very funny presto that was the first time he'd ever had um a peppermint before because i i don't even when I do start hand feeding them, I do use horse treats that are, you know, all natural and low, <laughs> low, like they're not full of sugar. They're like, they're like the peppermint flavored, but they're healthy for them. And so I, so, and he doesn't even get those yet because he hasn't been hand fed. So he's just had a few apples and carrots, like, you know, thrown into his feeder because <laughs> he hasn't earned the right yet. He doesn't, I'm pretty sure he would turn into a horse that would maul you as he understands social distancing a little bit better he will then be allowed to eat more but yesterday so, him, uh, his treats on a long lunch line yeah, so when he showed up at the table line. yesterday you could actually in the video you can see him be like what is all of this and then you can see him be like i recognize the apple and then he just like was like oh my gosh the whole table's edible and then when his friends showed up on either side of him and they were all like Oh yeah, we can totally do this. But there was a they they passed the cake around, which I found hysterically funny. Which of course, Presto passing it off was an accident because he was trying to get a bite out of it and it pushed it off the side. But then it served it up to two other horses that took a dive at it. And the funniest one was my my really beautiful mare is at the end of the table and she's like on the short end of the table and the cake is at the far end of the table and she's reaching the whole length like picture an arabian neck fully extended and arched so she can like take bites out of the birthday cake so it was popular but yeah i guarantee a scooter loves sugar of any kind he would he would die for that he would just yeah. die for that i'm going to have to make him the cupcake versions yes. i'll make him and, in cupcakes um, Pretty sure you could probably, like, first of all, I meant to make the cupcakes, but I just was like, this has gone over the top. Like, <laughs> stop. And now look, stop. you're a master chef on video. <laughs> I, I, the video, my mom used to sell Pampered Chef, and she was like, this could be a Pampered Chef video. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you want so, to call our first guest? And we, yes. are, we do have some listener questions we're going to get to eventually here. Uh, we promise we'll get to some listeners. Yes. All right. So we're giving Travis a call, and he's a farrier, correct? He is, and is he your he farrier? Will... Or what's the story? So he's in Maine. So he is no, not, not farrier. my farrier, but <laughs> I have flown him out here before to um to do some. I love doing when you can do work and pleasure combined together. So I have flown him out here before for work slash fun, and he has given advice to us on the shoeing. My husband actually does our shoeing. Hello. Hi, Travis. How are you? Hello. Can, can you hear me, Travis? Am I there now? Yes. Okay. Hi, Travis. How are you? Great. Good deal. You are here with, well, you know who I am. And Glenn is on here also. And so you are Glenn, live. Travis, Travis, so I wanted to warn you of that. Hi, Travis. <laughs> are you talking directly into your phone? No, nope, I can do that, though. Yeah, I think we'll have a better connection. It's pretty, see, you sound way far away. Is that better? That's better. That's good. Ah. Excellent. So, Travis, I don't know if you heard me, but we are live, and thank you for joining us on the show this morning. Uh, Stacy has a whole bunch of questions lined up for you, so I hope you're ready. <laughs> I am ready. I'm excited. <laughs> so, Travis, the first one, um, actually, if you could actually just give a little bit of your background, I think I, I think I got it right. You, you went to school 
and I don't remember back when, uh, to become a farrier, and then you do continuing education. Can you just briefly tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I went to farrier school um, after I graduated high school. I went to Cornell University for their farrier program, which was a 16-week program. I left there, um, worked for about 30 days, then went to Denmark to apprentice for 30 days. Um, got out, came back to Maine, and I've been working here as a farrier since. Um, and in the last two years, I've actually been hiring a coach every eight weeks. He comes for two days. Um, the coach is Mike Wildenstein, and he comes and works with me on whatever I have for questions on horses at that time. And I'll tell you, that's been quite a, a really exciting thing for me because I'm learning to help more horses. Mm-hmm. So it's been an excellent project for me to to learn all this new stuff here recently. And that is a, I don't, I don't know, there's something about farriers and, and horses that I love hearing you say learning all this new stuff because I have to admit, it's one of the areas where I think it's easy to see and tell me if, what you think, Glenn. There's such a history. You, you can watch a movie that was set back you know, far, far ago, and you can watch a farrier pounding away on a horseshoe and tacking it onto a horse. And then you come all the way forward. And I think it's easy in my mind to lose the fact that this keeps advancing so much because there's sort of this, like, I don't know that I, how, how do I explain this experience that I'm having Glenn? Like, it just feels like it's like, there it is. Like it's been, it's been here we must have figured it all out. I don't know. Yeah, yet, uh, I, you know, my wife's horse gets these very fancy uh, glue-on glue shoes uh, mm-hmm. that are, you know, that they keep experimenting with the newest ones that come out. And in a way, it's been around for hundreds of years. But Travis, it's also changed so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, with the, the new glues that we have, and the new technologies in urethanes, which most of the, the shoes that we glue on have urethane in them somewhere. Um, and these urethanes, have, it's everything from the concussion that we can absorb with them to the traction that we can change and how we can provide horses that before, you know, if we didn't have nails that we could drive, it was very difficult. I mean, they used to lash things to horses with, uh, with leather or different, you know, different natural substances. But now we have these glues that I mean, we can attach almost anything to almost any hoof. Mm. It's, it's the greatest advancement that we've probably seen in the farrier industry is the advancement of, you know, the chemicals that we use to attach things. And what else yeah. I saw, too, because I married into this. So 30 years ago, when I met my wife, we had a farrier came out, and he made all the shoes, you know, from bar. Uh, and so he would be there for hours. And then, it, you know, it got away from that to let's just slap some shoes on. And now we're back to these glue-on shoe processes take hours again. So it's kind of been a cycle <laughs> that I've seen uh, over the years. You know, we've, we've gone from one end back to the other end just using different materials. Absolutely. And it's kind of a, that's a good point because I went from nailing shoes on about 10 years ago. I was kind of in that cycle of nailing the shoes on get to the next horse to try to make enough money, you know, to sustain your family. And now with the, the absolutely incredible people that I've been exposed to, 
I'm now to the point where I'm customizing every shoe that I make to put on these horses. Some shoes are handmade from a bar, bar of steel or aluminum. Um, others are just modifications that I make to the glue-ons. Um, but it's not just nailing a shoe on anymore. It's customizing it to every little confirmational deviation that the horse has. And with all these changes, it allows us more options. Yeah. And, you know, we've had an interesting conversation before that. So, you know, shoeing is interesting because first of all, to me, it falls into like shoes or no shoes. And I actually go to no shoes for as I go barefoot as long as I can until the horse tells me otherwise. And so sometimes people will ask me about that and I'll be like, well, the horse tells me otherwise when, you know, I'm riding in my trails and they're ouchy, you know, they're, they're, the trails are rocky and they can't handle it. Their feet might be, maybe they're breaking up, maybe they're not breaking up, but the horse isn't comfortable. So I'll put a shoe on. And so that's a whole world in itself of like that divide. But, but there's things that I, that Travis has shown us that we can conquer while the horse is barefoot where you can make some different changes. But then for me, okay, I also slide my horses in raining, which pretty much requires a sliding shoe. And so there's different reasons that I go like that. But we had a really interesting conversation last year, Travis and I did when I was showing in dressage. And then we had another really interesting one yesterday. But the idea last year was playing around with how these little tiny changes can change my horse's movement. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap both of these together and then, then ask Travis to fill in. But last year it was like, okay, so Willow, basically what Travis told me, I was like, okay, so with Willow, I can lower the angle. I can lift the, change the angle and change the different things. But intuitively I said, I don't want to break something. It seems weird to me that we're changing things like that. I don't want to break anything. And Travis made a statement that I was, that gave me so much peace, but he was like, there is a natural range of, how did you say it? There's a natural range of. So they kind of have a threshold of their max that they can flex in each direction in each joint. So we're trying to find what their natural range of motion is and kind of the, uh, I guess the, I can't even remember the words that we used, but <laughs> it's pretty much their ability to, they can only adapt so far to our changes. Mm-hmm. So what we can't change in angles, sometimes we can change in what we apply to their foot and that changes their motion. Um, and we were kind of talking last year about how if we get them too steep, we can create problems. If we get them too low, we can create mm-hmm. problems. So where is their happy medium? Right. And if we need to go beyond that, we can do it with other means. So I remember how you, it. yeah, I remember how you said it. And here's what you, you gave me great peace in it because I was like, I was under this impression and you just helped me find it again. So let's say there's a range of, um, plus 10 to minus 10 to zeros right in the middle. Somehow in my mind, I had this, like, there's the perfect way to shoe this horse and it's zero right in the middle. And what you were telling me was there is a little wiggle room to the left and the right of that, which we know because in in a four or six week period, that horse is going to change itself anyway. So there has to be this wiggle in the middle. And you were kind of basically explaining to me that like, that's why the danger comes if we've wiggled it all the way to the far right or all the way to the far left, 
then you start losing the ability to have any wiggle room on either side. But it, something about that whole concept helped free me up in the fact that it wasn't like, if it's, it, there, it's not just this one static perfect spot in the middle, there's this little range that the horse can function in and we can play within that range, but playing outside of that range is where you become dangerous. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So then do you want to explain a little bit, because I haven't told Glenn this yet, what the heck happened with Presto yesterday when we, so here, Glenn, Presto, the horse that you just saw the birthday cake being made for, um, I went ahead and had my husband put front shoes on him because he's been, I noticed he was getting a little bit foot sore coming in and out of the paddock. And I thought he was getting a little bit more short strided in the front. And those he, although he wasn't lame or traditionally sore, I was like, I think he's kind of holding himself back there. So let's go ahead and put shoes on. So we just put like a basic set of shoes on him and he's moving a whole bunch of different and I was like, Travis, explain to me what just happened. So I'll let Travis explain it, and then we'll see where we go from there. So, Presto, the first thing that I always evaluate on every horse is their conformation. And Presto is a fairly tall horse with what I would classify as a fairly fine-boned horse for his height. But he has a very large hoof for that bone structure. So to cover the whole hoof, we have to put a shoe big enough to go, you know, to cover the whole hoof. And I believe Jesse put on a size two, yep. um, which is an appropriate size for, for that horse, for that hoof size. But we have a fairly fine bone structure. So a size two is a fairly heavy amount of weight to put on this long lever. And when I refer to a lever, I mean that his leg from the shoulder where the, the limb ties in at the shoulder all the way down to the tip of his toe. So when we add all that weight, which a size two is a fairly good size shoe to this light limb, it really accentuates things because it's on such a long lever. Um, and that's where we see such changes. Now on your smaller horses, which you ride a lot of these smaller, very athletic quarter horses that, you know, they don't have such a long leg, but they also have a smaller hoof. Mm, so when yeah. you add a shoe to them, as a percentage, it's probably fairly low percentage of weight added to them. Mm -hmm. Whereas Presto, it's a big percentage because it's such a big foot on such a small bone and the lever is small. So all things are exaggerated with Presto. Yeah. Not so much on the smaller quarter horse. Yeah. And it was interesting because I know that like you just said, um, you know, he's over 16 hands and most of mine, uh, like Willow's only 14 hands. So it's kind of interesting. So if we'd put an aluminum shoe on, I probably would have seen a difference between this one that just happens to be a steel because it was the best shape for his foot. Um, but if we'd gone with aluminum, you're saying I probably would have seen a difference then too. Absolutely. Because we wouldn't be putting as much weight out there at the end of that limb or at mm -hmm. the end of the limb. Now, what's interesting is that he looks, so Glenn, he's got, um, he's actually got some Percheron uh, draft mm -hmm. in him. So he's like thoroughbred Percheron Appaloosa. So the spots make him look very appy, but when you look at his body, you can kind of see the Percheron and the thoroughbred there. And it was interesting because he just looks, he just has more of that movement because 
he, like when you look at how he's built, you would think that there would be kind of some of that knee action and stuff, but he's been just kind of flat. And it was just really interesting to be like, wow, that changed a lot. But he looks, but he looks more um, happy, expressive. He looks more perky. He doesn't look like he's guarding himself. So I'm like, wow, this is just a really interesting thing. But so I, I still think I'm way within his range versus where I've seen some horses where they've um, worn themselves really thin and stood themselves up steeply mm-hmm. and they looked uncomfortable. So even when you put, so they just like they look like that even with shoes on or off, they looked guarded. This was a really interesting thing because we put the shoes on and all of a sudden he's got all this big expression. And I'm like, where did you come from? And he, <laughs> but he looks happy about it. And I'm like, wow, this is so cool. But it, it did remind me of the, the carriage because he looks much more, you know, of this driving horse. I got to tell you too, we've owned Percherons in the past and uh, we have never had more problem with feet than we have had with Percherons. Uh oh! Tell me more. They just, just everything. Uh, you know, it just <laughs> it just was always a problem, and they're well, you know, they're well known for having uh, foot issues. Mm. Um, and you know, I don't know how many you work on, Travis, but uh, Percherons just seem to always have issues. Uh, it's just crazy. I've worked on a few Percherons here and there. It's not a big piece of my clientele. But if we think about what a Percheron or most of our draft horses, what they were designed to do, they were designed to do slow speed travel in oftentimes very soft terrain. So oftentimes we do not ask that of them anymore in modern society. Their job is very different. So that's a hard thing for their feet to adapt to and the, the horse's structure to adapt to because we are asking such a different thing of them. So I think that contributes a little bit to them. And of course, there's always a genetic side to, to things as well. Abscesses were always a problem um, with, with, uh, the, it, and they still are with draft horses. Yeah. You've got it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the environments that they stay in as well as, you know, of course, genetics again, but yet again, remember they were oftentimes out plowing a, a field at, you know, maybe a couple of miles an hour. And, you know, this kind of brings us back to the point of with Presto. Presto, we've kind of taken and said, oh, wait, we want to take part of a draft horse that's slow moving and then part of an Appaloosa that's more, you know, they're more of a faster moving leg by the nature of the build of the horse. So now we start mixing those two and we get some pretty neat things that, that we see out of these horses as we combine them and start, you know, using them for different uses. And I think that's why, you know, Stacy's seeing such a change is Stacy keeps her horses very, very, very meticulously cared for. And when I've seen Stacy's horses, we don't have big changes to make on her horse's feet because they're so well-maintained. But then she makes this one little change of putting front shoes on him. And it's a giant change in movement because of the length of the leather lever and all of these different things combined, you know, we're really kind of exploring the uses of the new styles of horses that we've bred. Yeah. Yeah. Because my quarter horses don't usually, you know, like you said, their feet are smaller, their lever is longer, uh, shorter because they're just little bitty legs. I, they're ponies. We'll just be straight up. I ride ponies. And now I've got Presto who's got this really um, long leg in it. But it's interesting because when I look at his build, I always thought he should have that 
that different movement. So it makes me wonder if he was protecting himself a little bit when he was being a little bit flat or not. And I guess time will tell as I gather more information from him, but I'm excited to see because he's, um, he's, he's my project to document this whole year. So I'll be documenting it on Facebook and my blog and all that good stuff and kind of keeping up with it. So I'm super excited that I have all the video footage I do before the shoes because I'm going to go out and make a, holy cow, look at what changed like after the shoes <laughs> video. So I could just be like, cause they're not, I mean, just to be clear, it's not like it's a weighted shoe or anything. Like it's a very average shoe. So if you pick it up, like you wouldn't be like, Oh, but obviously for him. And it makes me think about when we have, um, you know, when we have different boots on or different shoes and you change shoes, it just, you know, you change into flip flops. I always stumble when I do the flip flops, but anyway, so thank you so much for joining me today, Travis. Um, if anybody has any questions for you, it, how should they get hold of you? What would be a good way? Uh, you can send me an email anytime. Um, that's farrier333, so 333 at com, And I'd be happy to answer questions there. Um, I guess that would be the easiest way to reach me for sure. Yeah. Okay, and we can put a link to that in the show notes too. But anyway, I um I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you again when when travel is not quite as restricted and one of us can go one way or the other. I'm I was planning on being up there in April, but I wasn't. So now we'll see when we can reschedule that. But thanks again for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Travis. Awesome. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. And uh, speaking of your podcast, you have a podcast. So what's going on podcast. over there? And uh, it's it's Stacy. It it has the the name. <laughs> I congratulated Stacy on her name because p- people come up with these podcast names, and you look at the name, you have no idea what it's about. Stacy, <laughs> on the other hand, went the whole other direction, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to thank a one of my original website designers who was like get the most basic names that you can so people understand what it is. And so, um, yeah, so I went with Stacy Westfall Horse Podcast. There you go. I mean, <laughs> so. if people search for Horse Podcast and Stacy Westfall, it comes up. I mean, that's right. So, so, so uh, what's going on over there right now? I'm in season seven now. And so um, I've been doing all Q&A. So people call in and leave voicemails on my voicemail hotline. And I put them into the show and I answer. So a lot of, a lot of times it'll be like a, you know, around a 40 minute long show and I'll answer maybe just one question in 40 minutes or I'll answer or I'll find three or four questions that all have a similar one answer. But that's what I've been doing in season seven, because I guess if I were going to describe it overall, it is understanding the horse and that requires the understanding of the theory and the understanding of the execution. So I'm always trying to give theory of why this would work and execution of how to this would work. And I keep winding those things together, but you know, with horses and people involved, we can wind thousands and thousands Mm -hmm. and thousands of variations of this, but I think I can actually break it down into four pieces that make it pretty easy to tackle, even though it is fairly complicated, which is actually what I love about horses. Love it. 
Great. And that's Stacy Westfall Horse Podcast. You can find it on any podcast player. Whatever you're using to listen to this one, you search for it and it will be there. Uh, also, uh, we, ha- we, ha- we do have some listener questions. So do you want to tackle one or two of those? Sure. All right. So good morning, Stacy. I recently purchased a horse that doesn't seem to like dogs and tries to pounce on them whenever they're around. Can you give me any suggestions on how to break this bad habit? I would say don't put the dogs out with the horses, but that's <laughs> probably too simple an answer. Uh, now, the other thing is, did you see, because I know you love minis, did you see the video of the minis chasing the remote tr- control car? I did. Oh, my God. I that was hilarious. It. That was so funny. I, my husband shared it with me, and I sent a, I sent a message back to him because he shared it through Messenger when he came across it, and I messaged him back. I said, see, we need them for guard animals. Oh, it was so <laughs> like, funny. It was they, so they funny. They clearly are. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, yeah, and I was kind of with you when I read this question. I was like, I actually read it the other way. I think the horse does like dogs because he's trying to pounce on them. I have a horse that doesn't like dogs, and when I go trail riding, there's one house that sometimes family members are visiting and they have blue healers that come out and want to pounce on the horses. And I've got two different horses that have two different responses. So I've got one that doesn't like the dogs and wants to flee. And I've got one that's like, that kind of gets puffy. Like it feels like I'm riding a puffer. Come on over here. I got you. (laughs) I know exactly. And I'm like, okay dog. Like I, like I just tell her to stand, but you could feel her just kind of like grow four inches. And I'm like, I hope the dog doesn't come any closer because I'm pretty sure we're going to pounce on them. But I think I understand what they were going for here when they were saying the horse tries to pounce on them because I have had my horses, you know, turned out typically at a place where I probably am, you know, maybe when we were traveling in the motorhome, we would do a lot of places where we would stop and board the horses overnight and horses, would, the horses would be turned out. And there you might get this random dog that, comes around and is like, Hey, they just, a lot of the dogs are one of two things. Either they're used to living there and they just kind of wander through like to sniff at manure. And then they have to deal with whatever new horse is there, or you've got a dog that's going after a horse. But let's just say it's the dog that's wandering in and sniffing around. There are a lot of horses that will go after the dogs, but it's really interesting to me because a lot of times when I watch that horse, if I know that horse, that horse has a lot of drive and and play, I'm going to call it like play, but my husband has a three-year-old filly right now. And thankfully, she's a filly because if she were a colt, everybody would be blaming it on her being a colt. But she's a filly and she has so much drive. She Like I turned her out this morning with his older mare that's a half-sister. First thing she does is like jump on top of her. So it looks like she's mounting. She just literally has so much drive. She just wants to push and prod and drive. And I guarantee any dog that enters that pen... Would I mean, any horse that enters that pen has to put up with it. She knows not to do it with humans, but she would for sure go after, you know, dogs or cats or whatever. And then I think it depends on the horse whether what they do to them if they catch up with them. But I'm actually with you, Glenn, on this, that, you know, a lot of it, it just becomes like, you know, for the safety of the dog or cat. The dog, this horse could have had problems with dogs that were attacking. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so we, we don't know. Yeah. Right. And that's what's interesting about my two horses that I trail ride. I know their history really well. And neither one exactly, no, neither one has a glaring issue that caused the reaction. It's sort of their nature that's talking. Like my one that wants to flee, she wants to flee from dogs. She wants to flee from 
everything else. That's kind of her natural reaction. My more dominant one, the one that the ones that lead towards that more dominant, and this is the, like the lead mare around here, and she she's the one that like the dogs were coming, and I'd never had that happen. And they were blasting down across the field, and I knew they usually slow up by the time they get to the road, but I just you know gave her my standstill cue. And she stood, but as they got closer, she literally just felt like she was puffing up. And I was like, well, pretty sure I know what's going to happen if the dog gets close. Cause <laughs> I think it's, I'm not too worried about us moving. And so I just stood there until the dogs. But I think, I think that with the untrained version, you see a lot of their natural temperament. Then you have to add the whole nother layer of like the trained version. So both of my horses had two opposite responses, yet they both had a similar response because of the trained version that they, that they listened to me, like both of them, the one that wanted to flee. Now I will also admit we were doing a bit of a passage pee off motion. <laughs> um, so she was all, she was, she was either on the spot or slightly, that when you don't want them to. I mean, I know, yeah. but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I'm telling you, like I've been, the more I play with some of those high level things, the more I'm like, I know why, um, I know why, for sure, this is true, Glenn. When I'm training a horse, I am very aware that when I want to do high-level movements, that's something fast or engaging, demanding. So that could be, um, you could picture dress, upper-level dressage movements, you could picture upper-level reining movements. It is very common for horses to have their emotions go up when their physical goes up. You know, so it's like you run a horse real fast and then you ask it to slow down and well, mentally its mind is still spinning real fast. And so the game is to be able to separate to where you can get the horse to where you can physically move the horse really fast, but not have their mental state become really fast. That's why you see transitions in a lot of these events. Let's just put raining and dressage on the table. You see a lot of transitions where you have to do something that's like, big and lengthened and then something that's very collected and compressed or standing still because we're showing the range of training that the horse has to be able to do something intensely and then come right back and quiet down. And that is literally the same thing that's happening when this dog situation is happening to me is like, it's an external pressure instead of me being like, Hey, I want you to spin real fast and then stand here. Like you've been sleeping here all day. Like I'm not doing both sides of that. The dog is bringing in the energy and then the horse is having to make this decision of like, and, and the, the more quiet, one of my, the more quiet, confident, one of my horses was like, oh yeah, we're going to stand our ground. And she didn't move a hoof. My less confident one took that energy into like this passage kind of a, like, Ooh, uh, she wanted to go, but she didn't go. And, but right there is actually a moment where I literally, when I'm training my horses, there are moments I will reward something that almost looks like a bit of a disobedience, like that passage moment. I, If I want to train something and I can trigger it in a place, probably not the dog attacking me, but let's say like running up the driveway towards home can bring up all this energy the same way. So I could run the horse up the driveway three or four times and then I could unpack and break down the problem slash conversation and have a whole bunch of energy to work with. Did I totally lose you on that? No, or did no, it fall I that? got it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that's a higher level training concept, meaning right. that I will bring up the energy, even though that's likely to bring out other problems, like passaging when you don't want to be passaging. But you could also look at that like, ooh, 
I could actually put a cue on that and maybe I'd be able to have it when I wanted it. Right. So yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah. and, and if you go back into the reason that horses were used in the first place in the military, that's what they did. Yeah. Right. They, they brought that energy up and, and they used those cues to, to bring out that action. Um, yeah. Which, you know, can you imagine though doing that while people are shooting arrows at your head? No. <laughs> uh, do we no. have time for one more or do we need to go to Ginny? Um, well, why don't you dial up Ginny? Okay. I would accept I don't have a phone number. Let me look at the oh. last one. Um, might be an older one here. So, uh, yeah, we, we okay. there's one more question. I have it. So there's one more question I want to get to there that I thought was interesting because it's something that comes up all the time and I want to hear your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. So after we're done with Jenny here, Jenny, to explain who Jenny is for new listeners. Okay. Jenny Taligo is my coffee tea partner. And when she's not doing that, she teaches, um, <laughs> she teaches an a E3A. And so she teaches a lot of, of work with um, leadership and she uses horses to teach that. And I always feel like I should be better at introducing her. But one thing that I would say is that Ginny uh, and I have we partnered up originally, drinking coffee and tea, and and discussing horses and how we see them help people learn and grow. And through a couple years of talking, we actually sat down and created a goal setting and problem solving <laughs> workshop that we actually taught. It was Glenn. It was supposed to be a live workshop here in the middle of April, and you know that didn't happen. Right. So we had to pivot and we pivoted and we made it a online class and we ran it live for, is it, was it seven hours, Jenny? Was it a seven hour class? Yeah, it was close. Yeah, it was close to that. That's a marathon. That's not a class. That's a, (laughs) it was a marathon (laughs) class and, and, and it was amazing. There was only, I had a text with, uh, or an email with somebody afterwards. We really only had one person that had to leave for work at the end of it. Otherwise they stuck with us the whole way through. It was awesome. It was awesome. Well, that's very but cool. welcome, welcome back, Ginny. I just um, I, I, we really need to get me a cheat sheet on introductions because I, I I default to coffee tea partner. I throw an E three A. Um, I get around. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have it covered. Okay. She's also covered. with collaboration partners. So it was there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Make sure we want to make sure to get that in. <laughs> yes. How are you guys? Very good. Good. How about you? You just had something big and exciting happen. I did. I did. Yeah. I, um, so, uh, for a a lot of people listening may or may not be aware, but I think we've, we've discussed this, I think at some point in time, um, that, um, uh, my husband and I lost our house in a fire last year. And actually just, this is, we're just at the one year, uh, anniversary last Thursday of that event. And, um, so it's been a very long year, long before the coronavirus. We already were having yeah, <laughs> a wow. challenging year. Um, I mean, totally but, gone. The hell? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's gone. We lost our dogs and our kitten. And it is a very, very, very traumatic experience. And, you know, it's been a long road this past year. So, um, but the good news is, is we have been rebuilding. And today, uh, the, 
um, temporary mobile home that we had been living in during construction was removed. We've been in the new house now for, I think, about three weeks. And um, and so uh, the trailer has been in front of the house. And so uh, people haven't been able to see the front of the house, you know, as the construction has been happening. And so I did sort of like the big reveal, you know, they used to do on that show, Extreme, Extreme Home, Home Makeover, Makeover yeah. Move That Bus. <laughs> Right? Did you get Ty Pennington so, there to help you? Was he there standing there? I No, no, I didn't. I, I was actually by myself because things happened very quickly. I didn't really have time to, like, gather any people together. I would have loved to. It would have been fun. But so I stood out at the end of my driveway, and I just videotaped. I just posted it on my Facebook page. Um, I videotaped the trailer, you know, moving. And so very slowly you can start to see the front of our new house. And, and so – yeah, it was exciting, and um, and it's very interesting of, you know, <clears throat> that sort of physical thing happening, uh, the impact that it has uh, on your on your mindset of, you know, the trailer physically being removed uh, and opening things up was really cool. So, Plus, you yeah, don't have to live in a grateful. trailer anymore. Yay! <laughs> I, I know, I know. We were very grateful for the trailer, don't get me wrong, because it allowed us to stay here on the farm, but... Uh, it was uh, it, it was not ideal. <laughs> so is the new house yeah. ideal? Are you going to love it? The new house is phenomenal. Yes, we are incredibly grateful. It's a very open, um, which is what I wanted. Lots of natural light. Um, <clears throat> very dog which, friendly. Which, by the way, before, before <laughs> reality shows, nobody had ever heard the word natural light before. Uh, I know, right? Before I House know. Hunters, there was no such thing as nobody ever said those two words together. I know. Well, because it wasn't our our old house was it was dark and you know there weren't a lot of windows and yeah there were a lot of walls and the new house is very open and and uh, so yeah it, it's well, delightful and we're Yay. extremely grateful. Yeah. Congratulations. That's terrific. I'm so glad that you got to you got to have that a year later and uh, be able to sleep in your new house. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So it's been it's been good. And Stacy and I had such a great time doing the um, the the um, goal setting and problem solving thing. That was, you know, it was so it was fun for me to be in my new house to do that because it was a lot um, better than sitting in the little office in the trailer trying to do it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and it, and it brought up so many different examples, like, you know, watching you go through the process of losing it and, and your, and your animals that were in the house and the whole healing process, but realistically, like also like, oh, we got it. We got a chance to talk about you. Like you can have goals. I mean, everybody's experiencing the majority of people on the planet are experiencing. They had plans and their plans have changed that. Right. You know, and, and, and so it maybe for most of us right now, it's the virus, but it also is for you, it was the house fire. So you were already practicing, you know, moving forward through a process you didn't pick. And right. so that was, that right. was a, yeah. And that becomes the part with, that we put into problem solving. We put that like goal right. setting is one thing and problem solving is what is going to happen after that. Like it's not right. will. It's not maybe. It, it it is like you will now face problems because you had a plan, and it's not going to all just be perfect. So well, and, yeah. and it's yeah. been interesting. I want to ask you. I, I want to ask if I can. I want to ask Jenny a little bit about. Yeah. So we all were hit with this pretty quickly. The whole 
virus thing. And it, we all have, mm-hmm. you're right, Stacey, everybody's had plans changed or work or whatever, you know, whatever it is, kids at home. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, right. plans have changed. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be in a couple of weeks leaving on, a, on the longest cruise we were ever going to take. Well, we just got a refund for that. Um, but you had the fire. So that came on, obviously, rather quickly. And what I've noticed is, and I want to know if you went through this with that trauma, uh, that okay. every week now that we've been through this, things have changed mentally for all of us. We're in a different place every mm-hmm. week. Uh, so first mm-hmm. it's the shock, and then it's you know the different steps that we've all gone through to the point where you then people started to get over it, and then we're they're over it, and they want to just you know get back to life regardless. So did you go through right. the same steps week by week with the fire? Uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, um, it was it was pretty quick that that we had to get our feet underneath us um, to be able to uh, manage the insurance piece of it, you know, because along with while you're you're dealing with you've just lost everything that, you know, your 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 home, which is your base, really, you know, when you think about it, it's you go to work one day and then when you come home, there's, you have no home. <laughs> it's, no it's, clothes, it's a, no nothing. Like no gone. clothes. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally I, you know, just had my husband and I both just the clothes we were wearing. And, um, and so you kind of have that whole shock piece, right. Of all of a sudden, yes, everything has changed. And, and then, um, you know, you kind of start going through that process of, okay, so I have this going on. I've, I've got to deal with this piece of having everything <laughs> completely shift, but I also have to figure out how do we, how do we keep going forward, you know, and, and that for us was having to, um, you know, deal with the insurance company. And that took us having to be very pragmatic and very focused and, and things like that. And so we sort of had these two parallel things happening for us at the same time. And, and I think that's a lot of what I've been seeing for people going through this, uh, with the coronavirus, you know, is all the initial piece of it where everyone, you know, being, uh, losing their jobs. My husband lost his job at the very beginning of this in Ohio when they started, um, the stay right before they started the stay at home order. And, um, and so all of a sudden, you know, you have that sort of shock piece, like you were saying, Glenn, and, and then you, you either have to get yourself to a place where you can, be dealing with that piece, the emotional stuff that's happening with it, while also paralleling, trying to figure out, okay, so what do we do if this keeps going forward? You know, how do we strategize on what we're going to do? And because if you don't do that, and you stay in the place of, oh, my gosh, this horrible thing has happened, then that's where you're going to stay. And, and um, you know, I think that's an important piece for everyone, too, though, now of, my life, my life changed in that moment, you know, when I came home to the fire and like Stacy said, you know, I, cause I had all kinds of things. I was getting ready to launch a brand new emerging leaders program. Um, and I was super excited about it. And then, you know, the fire happened and everything, you know, shifted and, and I had to learn how to sort of go with the flow with that. And, um, and I think what I'm seeing a lot now is people want things to go back to normal, but things aren't going to go back to the way they were, you know, things are going to be different 
And yes, we're going to get back to being able to do the things that we like to do and wanted to do before, but things aren't going to be like they were before, you know, and, and I, I'm grateful in some ways that I had the experience that I did prior to the coronavirus, because when this all transpired for, for me, I was like, I got this. This is easy. (laughs) I'm like, okay, all right. I got no problem. I know what to do now. Um, But it is interesting because that's, but that's our default because we like certainty. Our brains like certainty and, and certainty is the past because we know what that is. And so there's a lot of uncertainty now going forward. And, and, um, and I think, you know, for everyone who, you know, had goals and things they wanted to do and they had plans for things, understanding that it's not that those things can't happen. It's just that things might look different. I mean, it took me a while in my new house. It took several weeks, um, you know, for my husband and I both were like, where's the silverware at? Do you, where did we put the silverware? <laughs> you know? Um, because we had to get reoriented to a new layout in the house, you know? Um, and we, so, we yeah, I, I think there's a lot of in parallels. 11 years. I know all about trying to figure out where the silver. <laughs> well, was. yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, let's get back to horses here a little bit, because there's a question I want to ask, if yeah. you don't mind, Stacey, uh, I think that uh, I think I, I want to ask you this one question, and I, I I really think that we can get Jenny's input on it too. So I and love it's something all things that Jenny. What's that? <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. So you have a question here. I'm going to paraphrase it, and it's something I've always wondered about. So what the basic question is: This lady's a a part time horse trainer. She's getting more popular though, so people are sending her horses. She doesn't want to do it full time, and apparently she does a good job because people are wanting to send her horses. When you get people wanting to send you horses to train, yet you know they're the kind of people that basically aren't going to follow through. You know this, and. Let's be honest. We all know those people. We had the same thing that they're they're going to go back to doing the same thing they were before the horse came to training. Now your names on that horse is being trained. It's going to go back to being untrained, basically, because the people are not trying to improve themselves. What do you do? Do you take those horses or do you only take horses for people that you know are going to follow through? I thought you were directing this at Ginny at first. Well, I'm both of you. Because it's a philosophical discussion too, right? <laughs> okay, let's go philosophical with it. So I know. So, I put um, I put I so, but you put the question in here, so I didn't put you on the I spot. Did, I, know. I, <laughs> and I no, so I, I did because I copy pasted it out of a, fo- a folder that I have of like questions to tackle. And I'm gonna read this one piece. It says, Do you take horses in to train from people? that have the grandmother's attitude. So this grandma's uh, grandma's grandma's rules is a thing that I made up years ago. And I talk about it when I'm on my podcast. And so you kind of need to know where that came from. So, cause she's saying basically what she's saying. And the question is, what if you have people that do grandma's rules? And so grandma's rules, the quick version of it is that horses move and will only do what's required of them by the person. So I discovered it because we dropped our kids off at grandma's house and went to dinner and came back. And the kids, I had agreed that the kids could be paid a quarter for a bag full of apples. And we came home and I picked up a bag with an apple, one apple in it. And grandma kept paying 25 cents a bag. It looked like it took my kids about three bags to figure out that full was 25 cents or one apple was 25 cents. And they went for the one apple. (laughs) 
So that day I made up this idea with, cause I was like, this is the same thing that horses do. So people would send me a horse in training and I would train the horse and then the person would walk in and this totally depends on how established the relationship was between those two originals. But this one man that bred and raised foals, he brought one in. So he'd never, he'd never ridden them or anything. And so I was riding them. They were doing great. He walked in. I'm not kidding. You slid the door open, stepped into the stall. This horse flipped his baseball cap off his head, grabbed hold of the top of his shoulder, picked up his jacket and like kind of shook it. And he was like, Oh, you remember me. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) I have never seen anything close to this from this horse. But what was happening is that was what he, the owner liked that. The owner thought it was funny that he did that when he was a foal and the owner allowed him to do that all the way through till he was two. And what's interesting is then that horse came in, I guarantee I didn't do much more than just kind of flip my elbow and have him stay out of my space. So the horse already knew how to stay out of people's space. But he, but the horse was fluent in grandma's rules. Like he could fluently move, flu, like very easily between who's going to let me do what. Not all horses jump that big a span. So that's the first thing to know. But basically, this question that was written in that you're right, I did sign up for this because I, I <laughs> says, what do you do with people? Yeah. What do you do with people that are doing this? Ginny, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's two. I do horse things. I, I'm going to throw out there's two scenarios here, really. I mean, do you take the horse and train it because you know at least the horse is going to go home better trained than when he came, even if that's going to kind of go right. away over a period of time because the people aren't going to follow through? Um, or do you just say, forget it because over a period of time, the horse is going to go back. He's going to have some training, but the people are going to let it go. I mean, it, it's a tough one. I've done all of it and I'm going to let Ginny answer, but I've done all of it. I'll okay. tell you that much. Okay. I've done the taking them. I've done the not taking them. I've done the taking them in the coaching and I've done the, like you come and I'll teach you how to teach it. I've done all of them. <laughs> and yeah. so, but let's get Ginny's feedback. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I mean, you know, prior to me doing the work that I do now, I, I did, um, you know, I, I trained and was horses and, and was coaching competitive riders and, um, so I, I totally understand. I know where this is coming from and I used to see it all the time, even with lots of other trainers, you know, um, in our world. And, and I know it was always a frustration. It continues to be a frustration for people that are in that role. And I mean, I think it, it transfers over into anything. It happens in the work I do now, you know, I mean, I can offer someone, um, you know, an incredible experience to come in and, and learn how to be more confident as a leader and, and learn the, learn some skills and develop self-awareness that they need to be able to go back to their, uh, you know, back to their work and, and, um, and lead differently and have different outcomes that they want. But ultimately, um, it's not that that day or how, a couple of days or however much time they're with me and the horses that are going to create the outcomes they want. It's, it's, are, are they willing to invest in stepping into doing it? And uh, to me, it comes back to that whole thing around certainty of people do what they know. And, um, and I think that, you know, when people, somebody takes their horse home after it's been with the trainer, that when they run into uh, a, an obstacle, a challenge in the process, 
then our go-to is what I know as opposed to trying to figure it out. And, and I think that kind of came into play, Stacy, with us doing the problem-solving piece of our course because it was based on what do you do when you run into these things, you know, is having a process that you could go back to and go, okay, what happened? What was happening when this happened? And what can I do differently? And, and looking at what our beliefs are about what happened. And, and ultimately, I mean, that's really what is going to help people be successful if they, you know, they go to a class or they take their horse to the trainer or whatever. I think, though, from, the, from my perspective as the, the coach, um, that I, to some extent, I have to accept the fact that when people come into a workshop with me, <clears throat> that it's not, it's not my responsibility to make sure that they fix, that they fix what they need to, or they, or they do things differently when they leave. And if they leave and they go back and they, and somewhere down the road, somebody says, Oh, didn't you go do that leadership workshop with the horses thing? And they say, yeah, but you know, it didn't, nothing changed. It didn't do anything. I mean, I can't do anything about how that reflects on me potentially. All I can do is the best I know how to do uh, because ultimately it's up to them. And it's a tough spot to be in, you know, I think especially if it's your only source of income, you know, I think it makes it harder. Don't you, Stacey, if it's like, if you're real dependent on that, I think that's when, when you end up taking in clients that maybe you don't feel as confident about um, that they're going to follow through. Um, and, and so I, this woman that you wrote, that wrote the question said that she's kind of just doing it part time. And it sounds like she can pick and choose the customers she wants to some extent. And ultimately that has to be up to her, but I mean, yeah, you can't control yeah. what people do once they leave. <laughs> Yeah. And I think you're, you're correct in that. And that a lot of what you just said, there is kind of the gold nuggets that I, I wanted to see dug out because it, there's so much truth in what you're saying. And I think looking at it from that angle of like without the horses involved almost helps first before we tackle, tackle the horse part, because Glenn, you also brought up like, what about doing it for the horse? So the reason I threw out there in the beginning of this, that I've done all of this is because I have, because back to what you just said, Ginny, when we started at the point that we said, okay, I'm going to stop working at the bank. You're going to stop working at the heating and air conditioning place. We're going all in on the horses. There were years there. There were like five years there where it was very sink or swim. It was very like you have a horse and you want it trained. The answer is yes. Now, mm -hmm. now we have more conversation. And what's interesting about it is that I learned a lot from that process because here's Sitting over here 20 years later, I can say now with total confidence that the questions I ask and the way that I have these discussions, I literally didn't have the ability to ask those questions 20 years ago. I didn't yeah. know the questions asked. So do you know what my path to get to here looked like? It looked like asking a lot of different questions. Now, what's interesting is that this, this, this person writing in has more awareness than I did at that point. As you just pointed out, she's got, um, she has the extra full-time job. She trains the horses, rarely takes outsiders. 
uh, you know, she's got a good reputation. So she's got a different level of awareness than when I, let's just say that I walked through a five year period <laughs> where, where I'm, I'm not the quickest sometimes on some of these things. So I walked like a five year period where it was like, I, and, and of like, yes, I will help any person with any horse. Yeah. Anything. And I learned a lot from doing that. And, and then what's interesting is that, uh, to this day, like it's not the horses. Like the other day, my husband even said, he was like, is there a horse that you just wouldn't train? And I was like, no, I can't think of one. How I know. No. Yet if I ask this question this way, is there a horse that you wouldn't train? Let me rephrase this. If there's a horse coming from a certain person. Yeah. You wouldn't train. And that. And 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 because the and that that is exactly the thing. It's like so. What it turns into is it turns into a deep discussion with people, which now I find really interesting because it's like you. So she's got some kind of a reason to think that these people are going to hop around. So let's just throw that into an example. I remember getting an email and somebody was like, "Wow, you did amazing things with that black mare. Will you take mine? It's a world champion." And I was like, "But some." Wow. What? It, um, we need to talk about what your what is your goal here? Like, what's not working for you in your current situation? What are you seeing? Mm-hmm. What are you desiring? What are you wanting? What is your what is this outcome that you are after that you think you can get by coming to me? Because we and so there's a different level of. Uh, clarity that I ask for in my clients, which is why the the majority. So I don't train outside horses anymore because I'm like, bring, bring you and bring your horse and bring and come and be with me and ride. And we will tackle and that we will tackle your, your thing that you want to work on. But so much of it becomes a lot about this awareness of like what it is they really want. And so that mean the easy question when it's taking horses in for training, what they want is like this like magical fix. And I don't mean it like that. I'm just trying to exaggerate it, but like it just wants like, I want a horse that doesn't rear, but you're taking out of the equation that there's a big chunk like of you doing something that's causing the rearing. Like now Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't, to me, that doesn't remove the fact that like I will like, so let's just use colt starting as example. Does everybody on the planet who owns a horse need to know how to start a colt? No, I can put a lot of installation. It can be like, look, I have this blank computer and I would like somebody to install and get it set up for me. There there's, there's different places where I think trainers are awesome and can be incredibly beneficial, but I'm way more clear on, on, what people want when they come to me and what I'm willing to do. And those, and that you could be taking, I could still be taking in horses for training, but I would literally be asking that level of question. Okay. Why do you want me to ride your world champion horse? Because somebody else made it a world champion. What are you looking for? That's different. Why do you perceive that I have something different to offer? And, and then it turns, and this is back to your point, Glenn, it's 99%. It's so much of it is driven by the person. Mm-hmm. And what they want. Did you then hear there's a new so universal championship? Oh, tell me more. See, that's the thing. You know, they want to go beyond world, and now it's the universal championship. Mm-hmm. Now that mm-hmm. we're getting Mars colonized and all of that, we have mm-hmm. to think big. 
bigger. <laughs> bigger. And I, I agree with Jenny's well, point. We did the same thing. Obviously, when you're starving, <laughs> you know, you're taking yeah. what you can. Right. To, to, to yeah. 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 yeah, we'll take it. I'll, just, yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll deal with it. And, and the, well, and, and the and rationalization I, is the horse is going to go away better trained, even though they're going to screw it up. Right. Well, that right, right. I mean, you you do, you know, if you look at it from the standpoint of okay, well, if I can get the horse to a place where where the horse can can perform well enough that the person doesn't get frustrated with them, you know, then then you you think of it that you're doing something for the horse. The problem with that is though, Jenny, is they go away saying my horse. Oh, they didn't do anything. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's the problem. Right. No, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. And I think another question though, to add in, you know, for, for the trainer is to have the conversation that Stacy was just talking about where you really get clarity around them of, you know, well, what is it that you're seeking? What's the outcome you're looking for that you didn't get with this other person? And I think we need to add in the question and Stacy, we talk about this um, in, in the, the course, right. Of, what are you going to do differently? What are you willing to do differently? And, you know, I, I asked that question when, when someone's with me and we, we're debriefing an exercise and we go through the, the process of getting to why something was happening, why the horse wasn't going where they needed it to go and, and all of these things. And they, people start uncovering, well, maybe I need to communicate better or whatever. The question I end up asking at the end is, so now that you have this information, what are you going to do differently? Not what can you do differently, not what might you do differently, but what will you do differently? And and I think that's another important question to add into the conversation of, you know, if you're talking with someone about their their horse and what they want to achieve, that needs to come in. It can be an uncomfortable question, I think, for people to ask, but the reality is, is that I think it makes your job a little easier because if you say to someone, well, okay, so let's say we do all of this. So then what are you willing to do differently in order to help maintain this progress that we make and, and put it back on people a little bit to take that responsibility. Again, it's hard. I mean, when I have to ask that question, I have to really garner up the courage to say, you know, to an executive. So what are you going to do differently now when you go back to work? Um, but I know that that's a really key piece because that's when I get the commitment from them, it, it, you well, know, it forces them to think it. about it and that it's not a pill they're going to take and everything's going to be magically better. Glenn, I have exactly. the perfect one. Um, I, you, you, I have to share this with you, but Glenn, yeah, you're particularly going to like this so one. We'll yeah. So this, I had a client once. And he was, he'd been in the horse industry for a while and he was selling, he was getting ready to move to New York. And he, um, he, and and I said, did you, did you get everything out of this that you wanted? Did you reach all of those goals that you set? And he said, what goals were those? And I said, don't you, don't you remember? Cause I've always been big on goal setting. And I said, I asked you what you wanted to do. And you told me you wanted to buy some really nice horses, spend a bunch of money and have a lot of stories to tell. I said, did you do that? And he said, was I drinking when I said that? And I said, yes, we were standing at the Congress outside of that bar area that they have. And he said, I, yes, I did reach all of those goals. I think I need some new ones. (laughs) He was so funny, but he totally, he was like, I said that I'm like, yeah. 
like you were crystal clear. <laughs> like you wanted to spend a lot of money, own a bunch of horses and have a bunch of stories to tell. He was like, there I you go. It. There you go. Well, yeah. Goals Je- achieved. <laughs> Jenny, what's the website that people can find you at? Uh, I am at the collaborationpartners.com. Very good. And thank you so much for joining yeah. us and, and congratulations. Go thank- enjoy your new house. Thank you. Thanks so much, you guys. It's great to talk with you and uh, enjoy the rest of your time together. Thank you. Talk again later. Okay. Bye. Yeah, boy, that went by quick. Uh, so, Stacy, tell us again where they can find your podcast. You can find everything I'm doing over at stacywestfall.com. So you'll find those the video of how to bake a cake for your horse, and you'll find my updates on my rescue horse, Presto, and links to my podcast. And also you do once a month on the dressage radio show, you do a Western dressage version an episode every month. And that just came out. You can find that just go search for dressage radio show on any podcast player or on the horse radio network app. Of course, horses in the morning is here five days a week. Uh, Jamie and I do Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And then we have different guests show up once a month like Stacy. And we do eight different monthly things uh, as well. And you, uh, tomorrow, Jamie's back, back, and then on Thursday, we have the driving episode. It's all about carriage driving, and Dr. Wendy Ying joins us. She also does a traditional Chinese medicine segment on there every Wednesday. Uh, Wendy and I have been doing driving show together for almost 10 years. So it's been a long time we've been chatting about driving, and uh, we love Wendy. She's a tremendous part of the Horse Radio Network. Well, Stacy, thank you so much. Any parting thank words you, here? Anybody? Stay safe. Yep. Stay safe. That what more Stay can safe. we say today? <laughs>